This episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What do the English usually eat with chips to make them more interesting? Wait a moment! It's fish! Isn't it? Here, boy. Down the hatch. Ew. Avoid the green ones. They're not ripe yet. Live from Joe's mom's basement, it's The Stacking Benjamin Show. Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and it's time to strap on our kumbaya and have a potluck and a group hug with our friends. Today, we're bringing you a special community show where we'll learn just a few of the amazing things you stackers are up to. First, a man who made a million and the mementos he's kept along the way. Then, a woman who uses a common resource we all have access to to save tons. And finally, a man so inspired by the Stacker community, he launched a podcast of his own. Here to be part of the storytelling and today's special co-host is our Stacker community leader, Kate Youngkin. Along the way, don't worry, while there's no headline or Haven Lifeline today, I still promise I'll share some sweeping trivia. And now, a guy who loves his community and a lady who's leading one, it's Joe and Kate. Hey there, stackers. I am Joe Selsi. Hi, average Joe Money on Twitter. And Doug, isn't it Kate? Kate. <laughs> if you're going to do the O-J-J-J-J-G. Oh, that. Yeah, we should have the Kate. Of course, that reminds me of, remember the fish called Wanda? We're going to talk about a, sh- a movie that Kate has no idea <laughs> I was about. Like, I've never heard of this. <laughs> Kate's twice as young as that movie. <laughs> yes. But what's the what's the line from that? It's Kyle coming to kill me. Remember that? Yeah. No? No? I'm too young for that movie, too. Yes, yes. And uh, the woman who is in L.A. with us, we wanted her on the show for two reasons, but partly because of the fact that she is uh, somebody that you're seeing increasingly on our social media pages. And she, along with mom's friend Gertrude, lead our stacker community. Kate Yunkins here. How are you? I'm doing well. Apparently, there's a lot of traffic on my end, so sorry about that. If you hear some road noise... You can't hear any road from mom's basement, but because we're on dad's shortwave radio with Kate, uh, we do have a little road noise. But Kate, what's cool is you were a member of the Stacking Benjamins community and now you're leading it. I know. It's pretty crazy to think about. I went in and like searched my name in our Facebook group earlier today and some posts came up from 2019 and I was like, oh no. (laughs) A few regrettable ones? None regrettable. Just really interesting to look back and think of how much I didn't know four years ago. Yeah, but that still is super cool because a lot of what we're going to talk about today is is just people learning about personal finance and how they do it. And I know your story really began your personal finance journey. You you were on a trip to Italy? Yeah, just before. And I really figured that I needed to figure things out. So I started to figure things out. Yeah. And how, how old were you at that time? Um, 25, I think 24, 25. Doug didn't start uh, thinking about personal finance till he was in his mid forties. So 
you're way ahead of, of ducking that, that Why? Why did you just lash out like that? There was no need. I didn't. I was just comparing. It wasn't a lash out. It was you're sitting right there. And we were just talking about how great Kate's doing. Isn't that what we're supposed to do? I think so. I think so too. We got a great show today. We got Kate here. We got Doug here. We've got three stackers uh, who are going to tell their story about some cool stuff that they've been doing. But before all that, Kate, it's your first time on the podcast. Well, you were a guest the last time we did this, where you told a lot more of your story. We'll link to that in the show notes, but your first time co-hosting. Have we given you the rules around co-hosting yet? No, I'm a little worried. (laughs) Hold on. Sit back. This is rule number one. This episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. That wasn't a rule. That sounded like a sponsor spot. Oh, sorry. my bad. Here, uh... Let me press this button instead. We all have smartphones and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they can also be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. Oh God. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right. U.S. Cellular, a company that sells phones, wants us to put down our phones and to see what we find. Learn more at uscellular.com slash built for us. Okay, that might also have been a sponsor spot. Yeah, I think so. (laughs) But we got a great time coming up for all of you. Sit back, relax, and we're going to have some financial nerdery with some of our friends from the Stacking Benjamins community. Kate, we're going to start off with a guy named TJ, who is uh, a member of the basement. Um... Why did we pick TJ to be on today's show? I think what's really interesting about TJ is that I feel like the focus is always on current accounts. How much money do I have in my savings? How much do I owe on my credit card this month? And taking a look historically back on all of the money that you've ever made in your lifetime it's, it's wild. It's priceless, some might say. So while TJ might not have held on to all of those dollars, just knowing that he's worked enough to even make a million is wildly impressive. Yeah, and let's get the details from him himself. Uh, this is our interview with TJ. Well, I'm super happy he's here with us and he's going to tell us a story that our whole team in mom's basement fell in love with. Tony's here with us. How are you, man? I'm doing good. Hey, for people not hanging out on my dad's shortwave with us, they can't see this. You have a line of, to me, what looks like beer bottles over your head. But tell me what those are. Yeah, so those are root beer bottles. I love drinking root beer. When I was in Salt Lake, there was a a root beer store that opened up. So every month we crack open a root beer and have a nice root beer float from some artisanal place. Oh, that's so fabulous. My grandfather died when I was young, but the one thing I remember is having root beer. He was a big fan of root beer floats. And whenever I have a root beer float, I think of my my grandpa. So that's super cool. Yeah, because I've never seen any of these labels before. Yeah, they have pretty much everything you think of. They have over 300. And we might get to this a little later, but one of the root beers that we did drink was a, a money bags one. Of course. Cool. That's awesome. Where's that one made? Do you know? I do not know. I would have to go look at the picture. I do know that it was out of stock and we had to like custom order it. Because I was going to say, Tony, we got to have a meet up there. You, me, and some money bag root here. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. So you did this really cool thing that I've never seen anybody do. You calculated when you got to a million dollars of earnings in your life. Is that right? Yeah. So that's correct. So the way I did it was through the Social Security office. I just logged into the government website and every year they'll tell you how much you paid in taxes. So I went back and looked through that and and just calculated every year. 
I paid this much in taxes. And I, I realized that I was pretty close to a million dollars. So I decided once we got there, I had to, had to celebrate. You had to, that's awesome. So this isn't as hard then because you went through social security, but I mean, the average person listening to this can figure it out. Yeah. As long as you can figure out how to log in and set up an account with a social security office. Yeah. I started looking at it a year ago and they had my earnings way back till 2008, I believe. That's cool. So you get to a million dollars. Tell me about the celebration. What'd you do? Yeah. So when we were looking for things to celebrate, we found the root beer at the root beer store. The other thing we did was there's a candy bar that is a a million dollar candy bar. Yeah. So we went and got that and we decided to have s'mores and to drink root beer. That is fabulous. Then with that, I I wanted to take the candy wrapper with a million dollars and throw it into the fire and kind of watch it burn because I feel like even though I've made a million dollars, I don't know where that is at. And just to see that money burn before my eyes. (laughs) You've slowly burnt it over the last many years is what you're saying. So why not do it again? Literally. Yeah. Well, that's really cool because one of the things that I learned was that I didn't have an appreciation for a dollar. And when you see a million dollars and you think back over your life and think, I mean, that's all of us, right? Like where the hell did that money go? Yeah, that is true. I think I got the idea when someone on the radio was talking about never being able to have a million dollars or earn a million dollars. And I was thinking back and I'm like, I work in IT. I have a pretty good income right now. I bet at some point I'm going to be able to have earned that in my lifetime. And that's where I got started and started looking at it. But yeah, I it, it's hard to believe that I've spent a million dollars. But that's not the only memento you do. You've done other financial mementos besides that one. Tell us about some of the other fun things you do with money. Yeah. So the other one that I really like doing is once I hit a earnings mark. So when I started making $100 a day, I would go and find a, a birthday buck is what they call them. So that has a serial number that's in the form of a birthday. So I have one that's from February of 2014. I have a a dollar from when I started making a dollar a minute. I have a $20 bill when I started making $20 an hour. Yeah. Tony, that's awesome. You also have uh, something that involves gold, like you and Len Penzo both apparently uh, think about gold a little bit. Yeah. Again, when I was listening on the radio, I heard someone talking about being worth their weight in gold. And I know when I got your stack in Benjamin's book, it, it was worth its weight in gold. Well, thank you. Thanks. I feel like I owe 10 bucks now. Yeah. It, it was an e-copy. So it was all digital. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but um, wait, wait, wait a minute. Wouldn't that be worth its weight in Bitcoin then? Ooh. That Bitcoin weighs nothing and it's an e-book. I think it probably would be. But anyway. Yeah. So then I started tracking my current weight and kind of my net worth. And so by the time I retire, I want to literally be worth my weight in gold. So every year I kind of go through and I, at the end of the year, I calculate how much money I have invested in my house and then how much I weigh and kind of divide that out. And? So currently I am worth uh, about one carat of gold. (laughs) (laughs) It's coming. You start somewhere, right? Yeah. But it's given me a, a good goal for my ending retirement. Yeah, that is awesome. Well, uh, Len Penzo would be very proud of you, my friend. Yes, he would. Just these reminders. What's the next hurdle going to be? The next hurdle is a little bit different. It's going to be making one penny for a, a living second. Okay. It comes out to being 150 a year, 160 a year. But every second that I'm alive, I will be making a penny. That's cool. And so besides the memento right? That you have this memento that you got. Do you do any celebrating with that? Is there a root beer you open for that too? Just buying the money and and holding them up somewhere. Uh, Usually if I get a big raise, we'll just go out and eat or do something, but collecting the money and and showing it off is kind of what keeps me motivated. Now I'm going to ask everybody this question today. You're the first person on our episode, but like just generally just your money story. Have you always been interested in money topics or is it something that you learned lately? Tell us a little bit about Tony. I've always been interested in money. My mom's a CPA. We would always have somewhat money talks around the table, or at least when she's talking about work, you would overhear it. Yeah. But outside of that, yeah, it's just been something I've been interested in. Lately, over the last, I don't know, couple years, it's been more focused. Yeah. Is that as your income gets bigger, you get more interested or is it as you get older, you get more interested? Because for me, like as I saw the clock starting to tick as I got older... 
I was more and more interested for that reason alone. Yeah, it's hard for me to tell. I, I, I really don't know. I do know buying a house and investing more has made me more interested in money altogether. And then, of course, it's only been more recently that I started listening to podcasts and, and listening to money podcasts helps with that too. Gotcha. Well, you know, all that stress of buying a house, Tony, that's how you and I got the same hairline. Oh, yeah. So Tony's got a very sexy head like I do. <laughs> so we, we're a little follically challenged, my friend. We are, but but we've both got good facial hair, so that, that makes up for it. We do. Yes, yes. Yours is, yours is better than mine, man. I'll take yours. I'll trade you. Tony, that's awesome. Well, thanks for sharing your story with our stackers. I think that is super fun. And congratulations on a million dollars of income and good luck on that next hurdle. That's going to be awesome. Awesome. Thank you. Big thanks to TJ for hanging out with us. Kate, I love what you said though, when you kicked off this interview, because you know, in, in the coaching that I get, they teach us a lot about the fact that most of us live in what we call the gap. We live in all the things that we don't have and the stuff we're not doing. And maybe a lot of people are listening to this podcast feel some shame. I should have more. I should be doing better. There's all these things I should be doing. And yet for TJ to live in what my coach is called the gain, right? This is what I've done. I actually earned a million dollars over my lifetime. That's pretty badass. Like just to sit and celebrate once in a while, even if it's just a small thing, I think that's pretty cool. And I know that's a great reminder for me. And certainly talking to TJ is also a great reminder for me. But I think, Kate, we all have to tell ourselves that from time to time, don't we? Yeah, it's really easy to just get stuck in all of the places that you're hoping to go and not really looking back on where you've been and what you've done already. I know that some of these goals we have are big, huge goals. And I remember meeting with people, especially when they're in their 20s, and they're talking about saving two, three, four million dollars over their lifetime. And they're like, uh, I don't even have a thousand dollars yet. And yet the power of compounding and like celebrating these little wins along the way, I think are, I, I think are so big. Let's do one more before we break for Doug's trivia. Next up, we're talking to Annette, Kate. What, uh, tell us a little bit about Annette. So Annette made a post in the basement and it caught my attention as somebody who regularly uses my local library. And it's something that we all pay for. So why not take advantage of it? But I feel like when most people think about the library, they're thinking about books, movies, even a CD or two. And there are so many more unique things that can actually make a difference to families and individuals. And so I just wanted to bring Annette on because there's a reminder that there's so much more to be offered at our local public libraries. Well, let's say hello to her. This is uh, my discussion with Annette. And I'm super happy she's here with us, Stacker. Annette joins us. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm fantastic. You posted, Annette, something really cool in our Facebook group, The Basement, and it was about taking your kids to the library. And people go, well, that's not, that's no big deal, but you can save tons and tons of money and the library has way more resources than people think that they do. But let's talk about you in the library. First of all, you go to the library, I imagine, a ton. Yeah, we go all the time. Now, it's you. when you say we, it's you and who? Me and my nine-year-old son. But I've been taking him to the library since he was one. Now, did you grow up going to the library? I actually didn't grow up going to the library. A few times we would go on field trips with my elementary school. We'd walk to the local library. But that was it. And then I... Got into going to the library when I was looking for free things to do when we had no money with a one-year-old. That is fabulous. And when my twins were one, we had no money too. I mean, it's a, but what did you find when you went to the library? I mean, obviously they have books there, but you found, and you talked about this on our Facebook group, you found a bunch of stuff that people don't think of when they think of the library. Yeah, I expected books, but we found board games. We found video games, toys. They also have science kits and STEM kits and all kinds of awesome things that you can check out and take home. You don't just have to do them at the library, but also there's activities at the library. They have tons of toys and I was nervous going into a library with a child and I thought, oh, he's going to be loud. Like, what am I yeah. doing? Yeah, right. Library is super quiet place. Can't do this. Right. And I was pleasantly surprised to find children's sections are closed off so they can be loud. They can even run around in some libraries and they can just be themselves. So it's a lot of fun. Well, when you talk about board games and video games, how long can you keep those for? It depends on the library. We've moved around quite a bit. 
Some of them, it's a week, but others, it's up to three weeks. Okay. Because I'm thinking for a game, you know, keeping it for just a few days is not going to get you anywhere. The local libraries we just found, I actually found out we could be a member of a library that isn't in our local town. I live in the middle of nowhere. And so I drove to the bigger city close to me. It's an hour away, but it's worth the drive. And my library pairs with them so I can actually hold a card and I can have them for three weeks at a time. Do you take part of the interlibrary system where you can just ask for stuff and they'll have it shipped into your library? Because I know people have done that with our book. Yes, I've definitely taken advantage of that, but it's usually within the county. And so I actually exited my county. And so I can't have them shipped to that library, but it's still with my son. It's a field trip. It's worth the drive. It's an excursion. It's a cheap excursion. And it's like he's going to a store. He can get anything he wants. That's funny because I never thought about like the dopamine hit, right? That hit of I'm acquiring something that we all get that, as you know, is a total lie, but you still get that hit and it costs you zero. Yeah. And then when he's finished with it, after using it four times, I haven't wasted my money. I just return it. And you don't have a garage sale. (laughs) No, I don't need a garage sale. I don't need Facebook marketplace. I don't clutter my house feeling bad that I have purchased these items and I don't fill my house. (laughs) That's what's funny. When I was getting rid of books, when we were getting rid of all of our stuff, some of these books were really hard to get rid of. And then I realized I don't remember which organizational expert told me this, but the book is sitting there waiting for me to read it again, or I can put it back into a system where somebody can read it that might need it right now. That made me feel so much better. Exactly. Because if somebody can use this and it's just sitting waiting for me, I can, by the way, go back to my library and get it again whenever the hell I want. So I I might as well leave it there instead of a, a shelf at my house. Have you ever calculated how much money you've saved by using a library versus bringing stuff into your house? I haven't put it on a spreadsheet and I don't know it to the dollar, but I know I save hundreds of dollars a month. Yeah. Yeah. And it's also, I use it as activities. I don't need to enroll him in, I mean, he's not into sports, but I don't need to enroll him into social activities that cost a lot of money because they have Lego clubs. They have all these amazing programs for children And so it's also social and it's free and it's already paid for by my taxes. So it's not even it's free. I've already paid for it. So why not use it? That's a good point. You're already paying for it. Yeah. Yeah. But the double cost savings, I think, is something that people don't think about. So you're getting the board game, you're getting the video game, you're getting the book for free, but also much like I was just in Las Vegas and this guy was telling me at this conference I was at, he spent $45 gambling. And he said, you know what? It was $45 of entertainment, right? It was entertainment. He didn't even think about it as money going back and forth. He thought about it as I would pay $45 for this entertainment value. You're doing the same exact thing, but it's a double whammy. Follow me. You're getting the free entertainment plus you're getting getting the item that you don't have to have clutter your house. Yeah. Like we always say, spend on what you value. And I value board games. I value time with my family but I don't have to actually spend to do this. So I can take that money and put it into travel, which we also value. Well, let's talk about a couple of things. We got to talk about board games first, because as a fellow board game nerd, we got to talk about your favorite board games to play with kids. So what board games are good to play with kids? I mean, it depends on the age. I started my son when he was three, so he can play almost any game as long as it's under an hour and a half, he can play it. But if there's a parent out there looking to get their kid into board games, let's say they're the same age as yours, Annette, nine, what's a good first board game? Because a lot of people listening have no idea. Like, you know, they just look at the shelf at Target. Exactly. So if you're at Target, get King Domino. That's a good one. Everybody loves it. It's easy to learn. It's not intimidating. And the whole family will enjoy it. And it's quick. It is quick. It's 20 minutes. Yeah. That game's over in a hurry and everybody wants to play it again or they don't. Yeah. That's fantastic. And then video games that you like for a nine-year-old. Video games, we're Switch fans. So we like all the Marios. Um, Mario Kart is really good. It's an intro game. It helps you drive now. It has assist. So you're not just hugging the wall the whole time. (laughs) So that's good. (laughs) What's the one with uh, Link? Zelda. 
Zelda. We're big Zelda fans in this house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then in terms of activities, did you have to go ask the librarian where they posted? Like if somebody's wondering how they get into these activities and figure those out? They're on their website. I do find, though, they don't advertise the non-book items as well. So it is helpful to ask if you can't find it on the website, ask a librarian and they'll be happy to show you things. I like to go into a new library and ask, what is something you wish people would check out? And then you get a whole list of the kits and everything. That's great advice. I was going to uh, tell our stackers when, when we did this with our twins, we actually asked in our new community to take a tour and the tour of the library included all of this non-conventional stuff that people don't think about. I want to ask about money talks because this is a money show. How do you talk to your nine-year-old about money? We just let him be involved in the conversations. We don't send him out of the room. So he is around for it all. He's starting to ask questions a little bit. We haven't given him an allowance and I, I should, but I'm not consistent with it. So he, he just knows things cost money. We talk about it and I've also switched cash. So he sees money. Ah, yeah. But he's going to live in a world where it's going to be almost all plastic. How do you think you're going to deal with that? I'm not, <laughs> I'm not sure what we'll do. <laughs> no, that's all of us. I mean, it's a great, yeah. it's a great honest answer because it is so hard. Yeah. I switched to cash because he asked me to go to an ATM to get money. He thought it just came from the machine. You could just oh, go request money. And course. I said, oh no, dad needs to work to get that so we can have fun. <laughs> Dad just doesn't go to work for fun. I mean, what's, right. that, what's that all about? Yeah. He actually fills the ATM with money. That's dad's job. Yes. Dad's job is to fill the ATM <laughs> so I can take you to the library right. and not spend money. Right. Might be a little revisionist history, but who cares? Yeah. Did your family talk about money when you were growing up? My parents didn't talk about money to me, but they did the same thing. I was always in the room for the conversations and okay. I actually asked questions about money. And my first memory of money was actually asking my older sister, she's 15 years older than me, what all the bills were and the coins were. And she sat down with me and taught that to me. And I was probably four or five. And that was like one of my best memories with my sister learning about money. That's so cool. That's awesome. Well, thanks for coming on and telling us a little bit of your story, Annette, and for helping us uh, realize we got this resource in all of our towns that we rarely use. I feel every time I go in the library, I'm like, there's nobody here. And, you know, I live in a town of 65,000 people. Yeah. I mean, my town is 10,000 people, but I drive to the next city. Yeah. still, Which is great, which is fantastic. Thank you so much, Annette, for helping our stackers out. And congratulations on raising what sounds like a savvy and board game loving stacker. Thank you. It's so funny. You know, she makes a great point that we're already paying for this. It isn't free. Like we think about it, like it's free. It isn't free. And how great is it? I know, Kate, you're a little bit of a, I don't know. Are you a minimalist? Would you call yourself a minimalist? I wouldn't call myself a minimalist, but I definitely hate having clutter and things in my house. So being able to go to the library, get a book and not have to keep it on a shelf somewhere is just something that I strive for. But how about board games? I didn't know you could get to, get them from your board game. It's so funny. I thought maybe I got to go to my library to check out their board games. I mean, I feel like your board game collection might outdo the local library, but if you wanted to start lending out your board games. Maybe I should do that. Maybe there's a money-making opportunity here. Joe's collection makes the Smithsonian's look tiny. Oh, easy. Uh, you know, we easy. used to get our library um, had all kinds of passes, pretty expensive ones for attractions within a pretty wide area. I would say within a 50 or a hundred mile radius of our library, like theme parks and museums, things like that, that we could, you know, we could just go free. And we didn't discover that until towards the end of when our kids were letting us take them those places. But that's another type of resource that's pretty valuable. I've been really into furniture flipping TikTok recently. There is a person on there who, in addition to making really cool things, somebody else had mentioned that you can go to your local library and just borrow tools and things like that. So, you know, if you don't have some sort of saw or a sander, a lot of local libraries have them. I just borrowed an air quality tester for my library. They have VCR decks. 
So if you've got an old VCR tape that you don't think you can watch anymore, go to your library. They'll give you one. I don't need to borrow an air quality test to tell you that it is poor in LA. (laughs) Well, and the thing here about the basement, Kate, I know you're not down here with Doug and I, but he's the one making the air quality bad. Like, like, why does he need to test it when he's the one going, pull my finger? So many burritos. It's just just absolutely horrible. And that's why I'm not there. (laughs) That is a great reason to be on the shortwave instead. We're going to have one more stacker. We're going to with a super exciting thing and we're going to high five Skylar here in a few minutes. But before we get there, I think, uh, Doug, you've got some trivia for today, right? Sure do, Joe. Hey there, stackers. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug. And today is all about community and sharing stories, which is also something that happened on this day in 1692. A little community in Massachusetts came together to sort out some vexing behavior by some angsty teenagers. You may have heard of this little hamlet, Salem. These teenagers weren't just painting their fingernails black and wearing nine-inch nails t-shirts. They took things slightly further. Well, after much trial and tribulation, the town fathers finally figured it all out. Turns out they had a bunch of witches running around masquerading as town folk. Hate when that happens. I sometimes think that's happening here in mom's basement. Don't look at me that way, Cooper the cat. I know your game. Anywho, it was on this day in 1692 that five of the accused witches were executed by hanging. It was the second in the four rounds of executions from the Salem Witch Trials, where, in total, 30 people were found guilty of either afflicting with witchcraft, I I think that's what they talked like in Salem, or making an unlawful covenant with the devil. In all, 19 of those people were hung, making it the deadliest witch hunt in American history. Connecticut had its own lesser-known witch hunt 30 years before Salem, where they only executed 11 witches, making them a huge loser in the future value of Halloween tourism. Here's my question, though. My trivia question is, let's say one of these witches was burnt without a will, or, you know, she did have one, but it didn't float or hold up to being pressed with hot irons. Who would then determine the heir of the deceased witch's estate? I'll be back right after I go tell our neighbors that Joe's mom is a witch because she wouldn't pay for my cell phone bill. Well, you know what I think about Navy Federal? I think about the veterans that have done so much for our country. And I also think about some of our active service members. want to say a special shout out to uh, my nephews, Colin and Nathan, who are both in the Navy Colin is stationed outside Seattle, Washington on a submarine, and my nephew Nathan is in South Africa as an air traffic controller. And in Military Appreciation Month, Navy Federal Credit Union wants you also to celebrate members, many of whom go above and beyond. Navy Federal offers member-only exclusive rates, discounts, and tools to empower their members and help them reach their goals. It's all branches of the military, veterans, DOD employees, and their family are eligible for Navy Federal membership. They offer 24-7 help from their U.S.-based member service. Visit NavyFederal.org slash celebrate to see all of their Military Appreciation Month offers and other Navy Federal offers. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, equalizing lender. Well, if you're new to Stacking Benjamins, you may not know that I've tried out a lot of personal finance apps. I like to be a guinea pig and try out all these things. So I know what I'm talking about when it comes to uh, what's helpful and what isn't helpful. And uh, the app that I've used the longest has been Monarch Money. And it's because Cheryl and I, my spouse, were able to collaborate together. We can work on our goals together and our budget and our goals are right next to each other on the app. It is clearly the next generation of personal finance apps. So what is it? Monarch is the top rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. You create custom budgets, track progress toward financial goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now, because you're a stacker, you'll get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash Benjamins. I love the fact that we get to collaborate. I love the fact that it's customizable. And I also love that it's this ad-free privacy you can trust. They never sell your data to third parties or show you ads. After trying out Monarch myself, I totally get why it's the top-rated personal finance app. And right now, because you're a stacker, you're going to get an extended 30-day free trial to try it out like I try out many different apps. And this one was sticky for me. 
because, well, you'll see when you try out the 30-day free trial. Go to monarchmoney.com slash Benjamins. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y.com slash Benjamins for your extended 30-day free trial. Hey there, stackers. I'm Cauldron Stirrer and former black eyeliner artist Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug. My trivia question today is about a community faced with a trade crisis coming together to overcome those challenges as a united front. Yep. We're talking about the Salem Witch Trials, where 19 people were accused and condemned for the craft of witchery. It was on this day in 1692 that five of those 19 were hung for officially being labeled as a witch. My question is, if an executed witch dies intestate, a.k.a. without a will, who determines the heir of the deceased witch's estate? The answer is the probate court which rules based on the laws of the state. Get it right? Don't tell mom, because she may accuse you of shenanigans looking up the answer. Of course, her punishment is slightly less punitive. No chocolate brownies from the next batch. But then again, who would want to live if you can't have some of the brownies? All the humanity. And now, back to Joe and Kate for more of the amazing stories from our stackers. I know you're originally from uh, Pennsylvania, Kate. You ever been up to Salem? No, I am not a witchy Halloweeny person, actually. Mm, why not, Kate? What are you afraid of? Why don't you want to go there, <laughs> yes. Kate? What's the problem? A little nervous? Not a little nervous, just a little anxious. A little, little too close to home there? No, what? that's the problem. It was too far from home. <laughs> well, I think about the fall. I think about harvest time, and you can't think about harvest time without Lancaster County, right? Oh, well, if you're from the area, it's Lancaster Lancaster. Yeah. Lancaster. Sorry. Yeah, it's, it's, you really have to like close your jaw and just don't pronounce all of the consonants. That's a skill. And by the way, speaking of skills, I'm wondering because uh, what people don't know is how often we always are, we always ask Kate, we're like, uh, has anybody heard of that who's 30? <laughs> like, have they, have, they, have they heard of this thing? Do you guys paint your nails and wear uh, a nine inch nails t shirts, Kate? I paint my nails and I have heard of Nine Inch Nails. Yes. She's heard of it, Doug. Yes. She's heard of Nine Inch Old Nails. Old guy successfully makes young person reference. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, we're going to talk to Skylar next. Kate, what's up with Skylar? Okay, so Skylar made a post in the basement about how he did something a hundred times. Um, in this case, it's about having released or about to be releasing um, the 100th episode of his podcast. And committing to anything 100 times is amazing, if you think about it, just doing the same thing day after day or week after week. But committing to putting yourself out there over 100 times is absolutely incredible. I don't think that it's something it's anyone can do. Well, apparently Skylar can. So let's say hi to Skylar. I feel like this guy's the hardest working man in America. Skylar Fleming's with us. How are you, dude? I am doing great, Joe. It's nice to reconnect. I know. I know. Congratulations on 100 episodes from one podcaster to another. You know the statistics. If you can make it past seven, you got a shot. But most people don't make it past seven. So congratulations on 100. How does that feel? Yeah, it feels fantastic. I'm not sure if I should have thrown a bigger party for making it to 10 or 100. Because like you said, you got to make it through those first few. Yeah. So let's do this. Let's talk about your money journey first. And we'll talk about the podcast a little bit later. Have you always been good with money, but money in your family? You guys talk about money growing up? Yeah. Never talked about money growing up, which is why it's so surprising that I'd say I've been pretty good with money, but never really had a conversation around it. Maybe it's just because I saw the struggles my family went through and just wanted to do the opposite. So you were just a natural saver from birth. Yeah. I've always saved money. Yeah, really. It's so funny because my kids, I have twins that are 28 and they're completely different. My, my daughter has learned to be a good saver, but she growing up was not a great saver. My son, if you, if you handed him a nickel Skylar, it was gone. Like, it was, <laughs> like you never saw it again. He, he is, he's like always been the world's best saver. So the podcast though, how did you decide then to start a financial podcast? Well, honestly, it was because my wife was probably sick of me talking about money all the time. <laughs> I was listening to like your podcast. You needed and all a these new audience. Podcasts. You needed an audience. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. She was tired of listening to me tell her about 
IRA stuff and 401k stuff. She's like, I don't care about that. But she always listened, which was lovely. And she still listens to the podcast every now and then, which kind of defeated the purpose. But I needed some people to talk to money about. But the podcast isn't all that you do. This is seriously just a side passion project. I've I've known you for a little while. You've got a lot of stuff that you juggle all at once. Yeah, I do some stuff with marketing. I like to be involved locally and things like that. I help my friends and stuff with their money questions. So yeah, I got a lot of eggs all over the place and things like that. When it comes to the podcast, though, what was surprisingly easy for you to start and what was surprisingly difficult? Hmm. Easy, I would say, would be, I don't know, just talking about money. It was something that I found very fascinating. Difficult for me was connecting with the guests and stuff like that because I just wanted to kind of talk to myself about it. And then I realized, oh, I needed to talk to other people. That's really the <laughs> the whole idea behind this. So I started then reaching out to guests and chatting with other people about money. It doesn't have to be, though. I mean, guys like Roger Whitney, the retirement answer man, they, they've got great shows where they just talk to themselves. Yeah, I had some fun podcasts, definitely, where I was sharing some insights. I would do a whole lot of research and dive down those rabbit holes and then share that information that my wife was tired of hearing. But I would just share that with my audience. And now it's just really fun to talk about money with other people because we all have such interesting and different perspectives on it. Is that funny? I thought the same. I thought that it was going to be all about better financial tips when we started podcasting. And it truly, that is not the fun part. To your point, I think it's the stories and sometimes the <laughs> stories about how we messed up and made it through it that have been my favorites. Yeah, we've both, we've had a couple guests that have appeared on each other's shows and it's always crazy to hear their unique stories or someone will tell me some idea. I'm like, wow, that's, that's fantastic. That's fascinating that you took that approach. And cool that it worked out. I would have never even thought of that. So yes, sharing those stories and those experiences are what's eye-opening. And it's funny, you've had some very straightforward guests, uh, uh, Tracy Conan, who I call an accountant spy. Uh, she's somebody that digs into the numbers and finds out where spouses might be hiding money or business partners at work are hiding money. I know you've had her on, but you've also had on some really quirky guests that you wouldn't expect. What's a conversation that you've had that has kind of surprised you over those first 100? Yeah, I got an interesting one coming up with some with a person who found themselves in, I think, hundreds of thousand dollars worth of credit card debt from a business situation that went terribly. Those kind of conversations are crazy to think that people can get out of those situations because that feels like something I've never gone through. So I can't even imagine the weight and the stress of that. So hearing people overcoming financial hardship is something that's been really interesting to me. But also hearing people talk about how they handled money with their kids is really interesting for me too. I tell most of my guests that I think this whole podcast thing is kind of a selfish endeavor to really get financial advice for myself going forward, but also being able to share it with an audience is super fun. But one person shared an idea that I hadn't heard of, of giving your kids a small part of the budget. And that was just a really fun topic to dive into and letting your kids manage the snack budget. And that's their whole job is to make sure that budget lasts the whole month for the rest of the kids and things like that. That's awesome. Cause I remember going to the grocery store with Nick and Autumn and initially they would, you know, spend the entire time begging, can we have this? Can we have that? And then of course we get to the end of our experience and there's all kinds of candy at the, at the checkout counter. And instead, when I gave them a grocery list, all of a sudden, instead of being, you know, pains in my butt, they, to put it very nicely, they, they became proactive in helping dad do, do grocery shopping. So you can turn the budget kind of into something that, that's play. Mm -hmm. Yeah, make it fun. That's That was a fun conversation to have. They talked about how one kid, when they started out, spent all the money at like the first gas station convenience store they went to. They had no snacks for the rest of the month, and that was just the end of the world for their kids. But I think it's making it fun and involving everybody in the family like we, like we started out. I, I wasn't really talked to about money at all, so I didn't really, really know. So it's all been just kind of a learning journey for me. But if you can, I'd say, just involve kids with the small stuff, it makes it a whole lot easier going forward. But I think back to the person with the business, the the other uh, surprising conversation that you had, it's what has surprised me over the years is that somebody will go on a microphone and talk about that. Cause that's, that's pretty, I mean, some of these people, Skylar, that you interview, like they're getting naked with their money, I guess, to mm -hmm. put it kind of bluntly. Yeah. They, they're just opening it all up, which I think is kind of what I was really hoping for with my podcast is that we all do better with money when we're talking about it. If you're in just a crazy amount of credit card debt and you go on a podcast and you hear someone else that has more than that and you think, wow, they got out of that, I can follow their path and find inspiration in them. That's really where like the power in these conversations come from. 
I'm laughing because I thought that that was going to go a different way. Well, I didn't. Th- I thought it was going to go the way that you said it, but in my head, it was going to go. Wow! When I hear somebody have more credit card debt with than me, I was like, "Well, I can beat them. I can get a worse credit <laughs> card debt." That's probably not the. Yeah, point. it's not the scoreboard we want to go for. <laughs> no, maybe, maybe, maybe not. Maybe there should be like a, a national <laughs> highest credit card debt ranking. See if you can get number yeah, one. We, yeah, we don't want to be on that walk of shame. You know that list. Uh, when you're looking ahead at the next hundred episodes. I know you from past conversations that we've had that you're, you're thinking all the time. What do you think you're going to tweak about the show? What's going to change over the next hundred episodes? Yeah. One of the things that I was actually able to try this with someone from, I think it was choose FI's Facebook groups. They have some great groups out there, but they were, I asked people say, Hey, does anyone want to come on and talk about maybe their money journey? I'm looking to talk to like normal everyday people about money and maybe say, Hey, what's something you did or maybe did that you didn't like? That's kind of an area that I want to explore a little more is maybe the people who aren't the normal podcast people or the people who are always talking about money and maybe talking about like how they made their money and where they're at in their financial journey. Those are fascinating conversations. I know Scott and Mindy over at uh, Bigger Pockets Money also do a good job of that uh, as well. Speaking of that, you and I, a couple of normal guys and talking about your money journey, we talked about growing up with money. What's the biggest thing on your mind right now with your money? Yeah, right now it's all student loans. My wife's in uh, PA school to become a physician assistant. So we're taking on some student loans with that because it's expensive. So for us, it's really managing a debt payoff strategy that makes sense mathematically and emotionally, which honestly, I was thinking about this this morning, this last like Sunday or so, we had a really good conversation around this where for me, I'm the numbers guy. I love to make sure it makes mathematical sense, but my wife makes sure to keep me balanced with helping me remember some of the emotional aspects of it. And she shared for me that or shared to me that the debt is really tied to her and she feels like she needs to work because it was debt for her education. And I didn't even think about that. I was saying, yeah, let's just get on a income based repayment plan or something like that and just keep it at that minimum rate and just save the rest of our money. And she's like, that makes me feel like I'm always going to have to work because we want options where when we have kids, maybe we take turns with who's staying at home and things like that. But Just those conversations around student loans have been eye-opening to me that it's always, it's more than just numbers when it comes to money. um, Yeah, it's that emotional toll that um, numbers people like you and I don't think about enough. Yeah, definitely not enough. My wife makes sure we're actually still having fun and we're not maxing out all of our retirement accounts and living under a rock. (laughs) Well, I think the next hundred episodes are going to be fun, Skylar. I can't wait to hear them. Congratulations on the first hundred. People find your podcast wherever finer podcasts are found. Yep. It's called Money Talk with Skylar Fleming. You can find me online at skylarfleming.com and all that fun information. If you search Money Talk, you should be able to find it. But yeah, I'd be happy to connect with anyone. So I'll make sure I'm watching on Facebook and things like that. They say, Doug, that if you do seven episodes of a podcast, you're past the mean. So to get to 100 is a pretty, pretty big feat. Congratulations to Skylar. Have we done more than seven? Barely. Just, just slightly more than seven. It's all a blur. We should ask TJ if he can go back and historically count how many we've done. I know TJ would know. That guy knows how to count everything. Good point. I love this idea though, Kate, of you know having a group of people and you you say the things. You not only are going to try to be better with money, you're going to talk about it out loud with people. Do you have a group of friends that you guys actually talk about money? Yeah, my best friend and I talk about money all the time, really. And even some of my other friends, I've definitely gotten them into... Well, first of all, my one friend and I share a financial advisor. She was looking for one and I was like, I have a girl for you. And then I have another friend who recently reached out to me because her company is getting rid of their 401k plan. And she said, yeah, that's a huge bummer. But she said, I know that you can figure this out for me. She's like, what do I do? And Truthfully, I did not have an answer for that, but I do know at least the people who I can ask. So yeah, we, we talk about money a lot, actually. Weird. She never called me. You never called me about that, Kate. <laughs> uh, what's up with that, Kate? What? That's strange. I think that's really interesting because, you know, reading uh, Dr. Tom Stanley's book, The Millionaire Next Door, he actually had some companion books about networking with the affluent and marketing to the affluent, which are fascinating for people in the business of money management, like I used to be. What these studies showed were that millionaires do exactly, Kate, what you're talking about. They actually say they don't have time to mess around with 
internet posts or people that don't know me. It's like, find somebody I know who's going the way that I'm going, might be a little bit ahead of me and ask them if they know. And to your point, you didn't know the person, but you knew a who, you knew a person you could ask that would get them on the right track. Like this idea of referrals, I think is a huge thing we could all probably do better at. Yeah. Speaking of referrals and money, have you heard of our 201 newsletter? Because oh, that comes to oh, our inboxes every Tuesday and Thursday. Damn, she's smooth. <laughs> wow. Doug, she's a ninja. You didn't hire me for nothing. <laughs> I'm in marketing for a reason, baby. I was going to say, it's not even in our show notes, people. I'm just going to tell you that. It's not in our show notes. We did not rehearse this. Kate, tell us about it. What's this 201 goodness and how do I get it? Ah, if you're looking for a deeper dive from the podcast and things that we've talked about, our amazing writer, Kevin Bailey, writes the 201 newsletter twice a week. And uh, if you get it on Tuesday, you'll usually see a little blurb by me up at the top. And if you get it on Thursday, you'll see a little blurb by Joe. And it really just kind of goes in deeper into things that people on the podcast, guests, the hosts, things like that have discussed. But the referral part caught me because we actually have a referral section in the 201. So if you share it with friends and they sign up, you can win prizes. If you refer three people, you are invited to our quarterly happy hour where you get to hang out with us, with members of the Stacking Benjamins cast. And we have a a nice, fun chat about stuff going on in the basement, about whatever's going on in your life. It is uh, just hang out with the Stacky Benjamins team. It's always fun, and we bring a beer. Never once been invited to one of those, Joe. Uh, segue, Kate. You got another segue? <laughs> Quick. Uh, <laughs> then, then beyond that, there's stickers uh, all the way up to we'll invite you to Texarkana for a board game party with uh, the team, except Doug. Doug apparently is not invited to anything. Mother scratcher. <laughs> StackyBenjamins.com slash 201. That, that was an amazing segue. That was, I did not see that coming. And Kate, by the way, Doug, is going to admonish me later going, you should have put it there, so I did it for you. You're welcome. I saw the opportunity. <laughs> I took it. It was perfect. Uh, it's also the perfect time to wrap up this podcast. We have a great show coming up on Friday. Don McDonald is going to join us from the Talking Real Money show. If you have not been with us for very long, you don't know Don. If you are, you know how great Don is and how great his Talking Real Money podcast is. And we're always happy when Don comes and joins our roundtable shenanigans, to use Doug's word from the trivia. So join us on Friday when Don McDonald's with us. Also coming up tomorrow, I will be on Instagram at 5 p.m. Eastern. That is 2 p.m. Pacific. Uh, Kate is usually there with us too. I think Kate's always there with us as well. So you can say hi to Kate. You can uh, hang out with me. And guest is TBD, which as we said on Monday, Doug, is a huge guest. TBD is uh, amazing. That that guy's everywhere. (laughs) It's incredible. So join us tomorrow on Instagram. If you want to see all the places where you can join us, including the 201, stackingbenjamins.com slash welcome gives you a link to all the different channels where you can hang out with us. All right. That's our community calendar. Kate, thanks a ton for hanging out, man. Thanks for having me. I uh, hope I earned a spot to be able to come back again. <laughs> Absolutely. You and the road noise. We got, we got, we got both. Uh, I wanted to ask you one more thing. This is, this is the most important question of all. How's your kickball team doing? Oh, we are 5-0 and at the time of this recording, so we'll see how that goes. How is there any other answer to that question other than, oh, we're kicking ass? <laughs> oh, did not see that opportunity, did not take it. Come on. You stay in your lane, I'll stay in mine. <laughs> Apparently, Doug's, Doug's good at uh, some segues, Kate's good at others. Oh, my yeah. God. I hear Joe saying kickball. Say it, say it, say it, Kate. Say kicking ass. Come on. Come on. No, but we actually are. uh, I don't want to brag. I have gotten the MVP three times. (laughs) Oh, there's a flex. I don't want to brag, but. (laughs) But I am weirdly good at kickball. Is that because you can actually catch that big giant red ball or because you can kick it a long way? Which part are you? Are you like the Shohei Otani and you can do it all? I can do it all. It was those 14 years of soccer that have really come in handy. Oh, there it is, everybody. Kate's special talent on display. Adult kickball. recreational kickball. <laughs> That's it. She's like, I just wish it paid better. <laughs> All right. Uh, we'll see everybody back here on Friday. Doug, take it home, ma'am. What should we have learned today? 
other than the fact that Kate can play a game exceptionally well with a beer in one hand, you should also have learned first from our community members. Use your library. Less mess, lots of activities, and look, you're paying for it anyways. Second, leverage others to hold yourself accountable. Maybe you don't have to start a podcast and make 100 episodes, but by talking about money topics with friends, you'll find you accomplish more and do better work with your funds, which you can then count and have a party with when you reach a million dollars. But the big lesson... Joe's mom doesn't think it's funny when you pour a gigantic circle of salt around her house and stand in her front yard pointing and yelling, heretic! In hindsight, I probably spent more on the salt than my cell phone bill. But like, hey, look, the upside is I don't have to mow that part of the lawn anymore. Thanks to TJ, Annette, and Skyler for joining us today. You can find TJ's blog at hoxiehouse.com. You can find Skyler's podcast, Talking Money with Skylar Fleming at SkylarFleming.com or wherever you're listening to me right now. We'll also include links to Annette's Instagram page in our show notes at StackingBenjamins.com. Want to be featured next time? Join our Facebook group called The Basement. Just put Stacking Benjamins Basement into your Facebook search bar and then hang out with me, OG, Joe, Kate, Gertrude, and the whole gang. I'll also throw in a link in our show notes page. This show is the property of SB Podcasts, LLC, copyright 2023, and is created by Joe Salcihai. Our producer is Karen Repine. This show was written by Lacey Langford, who's also the host of the Military Money Show, with help from me, Joe, and Doc G from the Earn and Invest podcast. Kevin Bailey helps us take a deeper dive into all the topics covered on each episode in our newsletter called The 201. You'll find the 411 on all things money at the 201. Just visit stackingbenjamins.com slash 201. Tina Eichenberg makes the video version of this show. Once we bottle up all this goodness, we ship it to our engineer, the amazing Steve Stewart. Steve helps the rest of our team sound nearly as good as I do right now. Want to chat with friends about the show later? Mom's friend Gertrude and Kate Yunkin are our social media coordinators, and Gertrude is the room mother in our Facebook group called The Basement. So, say hello when you see us posting online. To join all the basement fun with other stackers, type stackingbenjamins.com slash basement. Not only should you not take advice from these nerds, don't take advice from people you don't know. This show is for entertainment purposes only. Before making any financial decisions, speak with a real financial advisor. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and we'll see you next time back here at the Stacking Benjamin Show. Welcome to the after show. This is the part of the show that doesn't exist. What happens here stays here, Kate. My sworn to secrecy right now as I take a giant sip of water. Sorry. <laughs> pull off that vodka tonic. This is an ASMR podcast now. <laughs> I, t- I timed that just perfectly. Hey, she, yeah, no, bad timing. I got a headline for you guys. Pieces written by Caitlin O'Kane. Imagine going for a leisurely hike and stumbling upon... Mounds of pasta in the woods. I thought you were going to say a dead body. So this is a better option. (laughs) Hashtag winning. No dead bodies. Seems highly unlikely (laughs) unless you were recently walking near the river basin in Old Bridge, New Jersey, where hundreds of pounds of cooked pasta were dumped in the area last month. Their origins remain a mystery. Why would somebody dump pasta in the middle of the woods? Like I've been thinking about this all day. 
was probably overcooked, Joe. I mean, what else are you going to do with overcooked pasta? You dump it. I don't know. Nina. My grandmother's Italian. She would not stand for that. Well, you just eat it? Do you eat it or do you just make no. it right the first no. time? No. You make it right the first you time. You walk that <laughs> out into the woods and you dump it. <laughs> it's composting. Yes. Nana Yaknowitz, who ran for city council in the town about 66,000, posted images of the piles of pasta in a Facebook group, thanking the Public Works Department for cleaning up the estimated 500-pound mess. Of course, she criticizes the mayor, saying he ignored this situation. It seems like there's lots of lots of strands, lots of threads in that. I don't, I'm trying to, yeah. But there was... Don't be so few silly, Joe. Yes. On Boo. social media, there were a lot of... Uh, a lot of people talking about this stuff. Uh, Jock Nowitz called it mission impossible. It just sounds like a spaghetti dinner gone terribly wrong. <laughs> it is. In a Reddit thread dedicated to New Jersey, one person said we should send the perpetrators to the state penitentiary. Mm-hmm. I was just thinking, how do I work in penne yes. into this? The lead suspect is a guy named Al Dente. It's so good. I feel so bad for the people who stuck around to listen to this. <laughs> I feel so bad for me for having to listen to it. What, what are you seriously, why do you dump pasta in the woods? I uh, Seriously, it was spaghetti dinner gone wrong. Either that or there was a cult that was hosting a dinner and that went really, really wrong. Oh, out in the woods. Did you, did you hear about that? Like there's, that's like a big yes. thing for like how cults like get people to join. They're like, here's free food. Really? It's like a, she said with experience. Look, when I'm not listening to finance podcasts, I'm listening to murder podcasts. There's no in between. No, Kate's like, that's how we, I mean, that's how cults get people in. <laughs> and thankfully there's no crossover either. Have you guys ever made a, uh, have you made a meal that should have been dumped in the woods? Yeah. Last week I made the saltiest mac and cheese by accident. Well, I used like a half cheddar, half Parmesan, and I forgot how salty Parmesan was, but oh. um, I'm on a budget, and so I ate it anyway. <laughs> I have a can-do attitude. It was not good. Who cares about all the sodium? Let's wash it down with extra water. Doug, I can't, I can't imagine at your house, do you guys ever just- No. Hey, I'm a damn good cook. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I rarely screwed up that badly. Although one time I did try to make, uh, I usually mix a little bit of, of milk, ideally even heavy cream, but milk when I'm making eggs and, and omelets and I didn't have any. And so one time I added in, uh, I think it was actually, I think it was just oat milk. So sweet. It was super sweet. It never even occurred to me that that would be a problem. So that's, I, I should have thrown that out, but instead I just made the fin turn eat it. <laughs> of course. Have you seen the story of oat milk, by the way, the oat milk does not need to be refrigerated. And initially they put the oak, oak, they put the, you can't oak, even say it. Yeah, I know. They put the oat milk on the shelf in an area like with the juices and nobody was buying it. So then they put it in the refrigerator next to the milk. It doesn't need to be in the refrigerator. It truly is not a milk and it sells like, like sells huge. Yeah. I've got boxes of it in my basement that have been there for probably two years. It's still good. Do, do you think you should put that in your body? If it's. It's been there two I years. Don't. Somebody else in my house does. I, yeah. I wouldn't. This is a temple. <laughs> oat milk? None of that. Oh, no. <laughs> You're not putting oat oh. milk in here. Orange crush. Yes. <laughs> right. Oat I'm milk? saving room no. for ice cream and beer. <laughs> Duh. Oh, I saw somebody over the 4th of July posted a uh, Sunny D hard seltzer. Speaking of things that probably oh, shouldn't go in your body. I'm listening. But I was like, so we're marketing to the millennials now. This is who we are. She had me at Sunny D and then it got better. I can imagine how good that is though. Does it sound good? Yes. It, it sounds delicious. It's uh, in my head. It's like a slightly alcoholic, like tang. Yeah. yeah. And what there's nothing about, wrong with that. It's a mimosa. All that is, you just described a mimosa. Yeah, except it's seltzer, which like hard seltzer, which is an entirely different type of alcohol. Which makes it better than a mimosa. Wait a minute, when did Tang go away? Is, is Tang still around? I don't know. My mom used to buy it in like the powder form and then just make that, it. That's the only form it's in, Kate. I didn't know. 
I'm only saying that because Kate's always going, nobody knows what you guys are talking about. I'm looking it up nobody right now. Nobody knows I... what you guys are talking about. And then she makes a Tang reference from like 1965. Okay. Like how? You're going to be shocked, Joe, but it's still available at Walmart of all stores. Uh, Walmart. I got to go. This after show's over. I, I got to go. Kate. Kate. Well, that part I can pronounce. Yunkin. 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 It's, it's pronounced Kate. Kate. <laughs> My name is pronounced Joe. The E is silent. I wish. I wish the Joe were silent. <laughs> Easy. That's terrible. Back off, dude. I know. It's no, so no. You were terrible. Doug was great. Shut up. God, you guys could both go away. Enough. Well, stackers, the show might be over, but the celebrations are just beginning because it is military appreciation month that I want to celebrate people like my brother-in-law, Eric, who is such a giving person. Eric will do just anything for you. And as a Marine, you can see that his time in the military taught him to be a guy who gives to his community, gives to his family, and is always there when you need them. This military appreciation month, Navy Federal Credit Union wants to celebrate members like Eric who go above and beyond. Navy Federal offers member-only exclusive rates, discounts, and tools to empower their members and help them reach their goals. Navy Federal's employees are part of the community they serve. Many of them are military family members, reservists, or veterans, and all branches of the military, veterans, DOD employees, and their families are eligible for Navy Federal membership. In fact, there are so many resources on the Navy Federal website, resources like Best Cities After Service to help veterans transition to civilian life, and best careers for military spouses to support military families. Visit NavyFederal.org slash celebrate, and you'll see all of their Military Appreciation Month offers and other Navy Federal offers. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, Equal Housing Lender.